Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The classics are back in this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. I'm Darkness Prevails, and I hope you're ready for some new and unsettling sightings of Skinwalkers and Wendigo. One changes shape, the other cannot stop craving flesh, and they both have been said to mimic voices. Enjoy these allegedly true and scary stories, and be sure to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org. Also, please help the show grow by following and rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks. If you need more horror in your life, check out eeriecast.com for more creepy shows. That's E-E-R-I-E cast.com. Now, let's begin. Oh, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Visitation from GG I'm half Native American on my mom's side, specifically Navajo. My dad is white and grew up near the reservation my mom grew up in. Both their families were friends and hunters. They were the type of folks to hunt a deer and share the spoils with everyone. If one family got some food, they would share it with the other. Same with any garden vegetables my dad's family grew. So inevitably, they became friends, which eventually led to them getting married. A year after I was born, my dad got a job in a city a couple of hours from the reservation. Being basically poor, my family felt pressured now that they had a kid. They didn't want me to grow up in a quote-unquote poor home. Their own words, not mine. So we moved away. Funnily though, I grew up hearing stories of my dad's family and my mom's family often hunting, eating, or hanging out together, and it sounded like something I wished I could have, even if it meant being poor. During my childhood, I'd often let them know that I wished I could see my Mimas and papas more, the same nicknames for both sets of grandparents. I think it got to them, because by the time I was nine, they started taking seasonal trips back to the reservation. There, mom and her mom would teach me about my Navajo heritage, and my dad and grandpas would take me hunting. These were some of my favorite and most cherished memories. There was nothing like hunting a deer, and on the same night, eating it for dinner with the family. My mom's parents taught me to use every part of whatever I hunted, and to respect nature. At the age of 13, we took a trip in the fall to the reservation. We would be staying a week at my mom's family's home. I'd begun getting along with my cousin Rowan during our stays at the reservation. Rowan was my mother's sister's kid, and though he was a bigger kid than other kids our age, with an intimidating appearance even at the age of 14, he was very fearful and reserved. 
My dad and grandpas would try to take him on our hunts with us, but he'd always refuse. He also had this thing where he hated being outside after dark. Well, that fall, while staying the night in his room, we stayed up talking. Eventually, I asked him why he was so afraid of things. I tried to word it respectfully. After all, I just wanted to understand him. I don't know, he replied. The woods are just creepy out here. The kids at school keep telling me stories. Old Navajo legends. They say they're real. What kind of legends? They're just legends, though, Rowan. They probably aren't real or they're not real anymore, I said to him. Well, I, I asked my dad once, and he said you're not supposed to talk about it. He was so serious, too. If he was so serious about it, then how could it be fake? He asked. Maybe he just knew it would scare you, so he didn't want you thinking or talking about it anymore. I guess. Rowan turned over onto his side. Dude, what's the legend, though? The one you're most scared of. If I tell you, you can't tell anyone else, okay? Or at least don't tell anyone that I told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, I laughed. Just tell me. Well, have you heard of the... Skinwalker? When he said that, I rolled my eyes. Who hasn't heard of the Skinwalker? Especially with the kids on this reservation. They loved pranking and scaring each other, as all kids probably do. Yeah, I've heard of it, I said. What's so scary about it? Do you really believe there are people out there that can wear the skin of animals and turn into them? Uh, yeah, and a lot of other kids do too, as well as some of the adults. Which adults believe in skinwalkers, Rowan? I don't know. If I had to guess, I'd say all of them. What? What are you talking about? Well, if you want to find out, forget about how I said not telling anyone. Tomorrow morning, go up to Mimar or Papa and ask them, what's a skinwalker? And see how they react. Just don't tell them I told you. Alright, I'll do it. You gonna watch me do it? Because I want to make sure you see and know it's just a story. Sure, he said. After that, the conversation went to girls and video games and we eventually fell asleep. The next morning, I'd completely forgotten about the dare until Rowan brought it back up. So just before breakfast, I walked over to Grandpa, who was sitting in an old recliner. For some reason, I was getting nervous, but I pushed myself forward and approached him. My mom's papa was a gruff man of few words, a man both sides of our family respected and would often go to for advice. Hey, papa, I said to him, getting his attention. He looked over with a raised eyebrow, not saying anything. What's a skinwalker? I asked. And immediately, like a light switch, the entire mood in the room changed. My papa's eyebrows got narrow, and I could hear my mima in the kitchen suddenly stop everything she was doing. For a second, papa looked mad. Then, as if to remind himself I was just a kid, a kid less in touch with his culture, he sighed and loosened up. Then he placed a hand on my arm. Don't go saying that around here. Uh, why? What's wrong with it? There are certain words you shouldn't say, young'un. Just like there are certain spirits you don't want to attract to yourself. I nodded my head, then walked away. When I turned around, I saw Rowan standing at the corner. He'd been watching like I asked. This time he wore a smug smile, as if to say, told you so. 
A few years after that, when I was 15 years old and Rowan was 16, my mom's side had come into quite a bit of money, some sort of investment. I can't quite remember the exact reason, but they bought a couple of ATVs, mainly to go out and hunt or to bring back deer. But on occasion, my grandpa would allow me and Rowan to go driving out on the trails with them. So long as we were careful, he said. Well, kids like us would make any promise to be able to drive those things around. Those suckers were fast and extremely easy to drive. Rowan and I would spend hours in the afternoon ramping over dirt mounds, racing through muddy trails. We got in a lot of trouble one time because we accidentally ran over a squirrel. My grandpa gave us a stern talking to about being more careful of the nature around us, and grandma made us eat it so it wouldn't go to waste. And funny enough, I thought it was delicious. That being said, I wish we'd really learned that lesson about being more aware of nature around us. This event happened one evening when Rowan and I were riding ATVs on the forest trails. At the time, Rowan had slowly outgrown his fear of the dark and of the woods. He'd become, over the years, much more comfortable with being outside after dark. Losing track of time, eventually the sun set on us, but we kept racing with the headlights on. There was a certain clearing in the woods that the trails led to. We liked this spot because it had a big dip in the dirt that led back up into a massive sort of natural ramp. Rowan and I loved racing down the trail, turning around, and gaining as much speed as possible to go up the ramp. This was the kind of thing that, if Grandpa found out about it, we'd be grounded from the four-wheelers for a while. Luckily, he never did. Anyway, it was after sunset. It was a new moon night, so everything around us was pretty much completely dark. All we had for light were the headlights of the ATVs. At one point, it was Rowan's turn to drive down the trail, then turn around to pick up speed and do the big ramp. Before taking off, he said he was going to go back even further than usual for even more speed. Yeah, we were a couple of dumb teens. Through the trees, I watched him take off, going fast down the trail. Eventually, his headlights in the distance grew faint until they were completely gone. I was expecting to see his headlights coming back this way at any moment, but after a couple of minutes, I realized something was wrong. Perhaps he'd wrecked the ATV and hurt himself. Maybe he'd found something. Rowan wouldn't just abandon me. I kicked my four-wheeler into gear, and I began to drive down the trail. Suddenly, something large and dark ran right across the trail ahead of me. It was so sudden and quick that all I saw was just that dark blur. Instantly, I slammed on the brakes. When I came to a stop, I rotated my head to the left, looking for this thing that ran in front of me. But whatever it was, I couldn't find it. I looked at the ground in front of the ATV, wondering if perhaps a tree branch had fallen in front of me. But no, the ground was just as it had been. Rocks and dirt and occasional tufts of grass, but no branches and no animals. My heart was pumping hard. I had goosebumps all over my neck and arms. I just kept looking around, trying to figure out if I'd seen anything. But still, I could not find anything that would account for what I saw. Confused and a little freaked out, I began to drive, this time more slowly down the trail. As the engine picked back up, I swear I heard a new sound along with it. Footsteps. Rapid ones. Something or someone on all fours. When I heard it, I stopped again and listened. I began to look around once more, but just as before, I didn't find anything out of the ordinary. I gulped and began to drive forward again, 
And like last time, the moment the engine picked up, something began to walk rapidly. It was like it was trying to hide its footsteps behind the engine noise, but they were too loud still. I could hear them. I slammed on the brakes again. The footsteps stopped. I'd never been so convinced that I was going crazy until then. I had no idea what was going on. Rowan? Dude, this ain't funny. Where you at? I called out to my cousin, but there was no reply. I kept the ATV on, but put it back in park. I stood up on the ATV, trying to get a better look around. Then I turned completely around in the seat and looked in the distance back in the trail. Nothing. I was about to turn around again and continue driving, determined this time to ignore any weird noises or sights until I found Rowan. But then, I stopped. I was pointed in the direction of the back of the ATV, where the metal rack was. It was there, through the metal bars of that rack, that I saw something, something that shouldn't have been there. Hair, attached to something. Something that was crouching below the ATV on the trail just behind me. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was so intensely terrified in that moment that I couldn't bring myself to peer over the back of the ATV. Instead, calmly and horrified on the inside, I turned back around, sat down, and clicked the four-wheeler back into gear. Just as I swallowed and began to press on the accelerator, I felt the rear of the ATV shift with new weight. The small vehicle rocked back and forth for a moment then stood still again. I realized then that I couldn't breathe. I was too scared to breathe. Too scared to move an inch. Too scared to even look in a different direction. Then, the worst part happened. I felt cold, rigid hands on my ribs, like the hands of a passenger holding on. But these hands kept coming forward, up over the front of my ribcage, until cold and pointed nails began to tap on my collarbone. Uh, Gavin. Came a whisper in my ear, one that I swear made my heart turn to ice. What happened next was completely automatic and instinctual. I took a big, deep breath, preparing the loudest scream I could muster. But before I could belt it out, Whatever was behind me grabbed me by my hair and yanked me off the ATV. I hit the ground hard, landing on my back, knocking the air out of me so I couldn't scream even if I wanted to for the next few moments. I swear to God this person or thing dragged me over the ground at a runner's pace as if it was so strong that pulling my body was absolutely effortless to it. Finally, I saw headlights. Other headlights. There was Rowan racing up the trail. The pain in my scalp was released. Whatever it was, it let me go. And the moment I did, I turned over onto my stomach and looked in the direction it was running off to. There was just enough light from both pairs of headlights to see it, to know that I wasn't crazy. Because even though what I saw didn't make sense, I know it was real. I know my eyes were not tricking me. What I saw looked like a man hunched down. There was one too many bends in his arms, as well as his legs, and his legs were covered in fur. His back was covered in fur too, but the way it looked loose on him, 
It appeared more like that fur was something he was wearing. In a matter of seconds, I watched this hunched-over, racing-away form suddenly shift into something on all fours, something that more resembled a coyote, but a bit larger in size. Gavin? Rowan called out to me from his ATV. I was slammed right back into reality, throwing myself back up on two feet and running at full speed back to the ATV. Go, go, go! I told Rowan, and though I said go three times, I don't think he needed to be told at all. The two of us went dangerously fast out of those trails, and we didn't stop until we made it back to my grandparents' house. We ran inside and tried to collect ourselves in the spare room, aka Gavin's room, as he'd often spend summers living with the grandparents. Where did you go? Where did you go? I asked Rowan over and over. I'm sorry, but I felt abandoned. I felt as if this only happened to me because Rowan had left me. But Rowan explained. As I went down the path, I swear I saw something behind me. Something that was faster than the ATV. It was chasing me. I had no idea what it was, but I didn't stop until I couldn't see it anymore. Then I realized that maybe it turned back and it was coming for you. I demanded to know. What was it? Then Rowan replied, You don't want to know what I think it was. And I knew immediately what he was talking about, because that conversation we'd had a few years ago had stuck with me forever, especially thanks to my papa's reaction. Rowan then whispered, as if he wasn't sure he should even say it, Skinwalker. Now I didn't argue with him. I didn't directly deny it or agree to it. But deep down, I think I knew he was right. I had just witnessed something that defied any explanation I could come up with. Something shaped like a man doesn't just change into something shaped like a coyote. Unless they're a skinwalker. I'm 24 now. I've been back to the reservation. And yeah, Rowan and I never did stop going down the trails on ATVs. Until Rowan moved away after having a kid of his own. But one thing we didn't do was stay out racing those ATVs after dark, let alone step foot in the woods after sundown, except when we were hunting with family. And thankfully, these precautions kept us from seeing this skinwalker again, at least for now. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. 
Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Outside the Tent From Sane Mantis my friend Jacqueline and I are co-workers at a call center. Probably the most boring and irritating job in existence. We manage to keep ourselves going by hanging out on the weekends. Sometimes we go to see a movie. Other times we go bowling or mini-golfing or to a bar. On this particular weekend, we went camping. We'd gone camping a few times before. We weren't strangers to it. We didn't camp deep in the woods either. Usually, we'd go to this shared campground place at the nearby state park. The idea was to just stay overnight, eating junk food and probably watching a scary movie in the tent before bed. Just one night, that's all it was supposed to be. And yet, I feel as if the two of us won the lottery of nightmares. We made it to the campground after picking up various snack cakes at a couple of different gas stations. It was 2 p.m. when we arrived. We were supposed to be there by noon, but it didn't really matter. Once we arrived, there was literally no one there. A slow weekend, I assumed. It was kind of exciting, thinking that it would just be me and Jacqueline, just a couple of girls surviving the woods alone. By nightfall, I'd read the last 10 chapters in the novel I'd been reading, and Jackie had started a campfire in the little fire pit. We cooked some hot dogs and ate them right off the stick. We talked for a while by the fire after eating. Jackie apparently was into a new guy at work, and I talked about how doing some yoga at home helped my head feel a bit clearer. Eventually, we headed into the tent, turned on ginger snaps on my laptop, and fell asleep in the middle of the movie. I woke up alone in the tent. Groggy, I looked around to see where Jacqueline had gone. The flap to the tent was open, so I figured she went to pee. I glanced toward the open laptop, which was still playing the movie. Back then I used VLC to play movies. I had apparently left the repeat option on for videos, so the movie had looped back to the scene where Ginger was first attacked by the werewolf in the woods by the park. If you haven't seen Ginger Snaps, it's probably my favorite werewolf film. Anyway, I felt a chill run down my spine just glancing at that scene. That movie had always freaked me out, but realizing I was alone in the woods with the tent flap open, that was a bit much for me. I closed the laptop, putting my computer to sleep. Abby. I heard Jackie call for me outside. She sounded pretty far. What the heck was she doing out there? I wondered. It was well after midnight, but far from the sun coming up. What? I called back, getting comfy in my sleeping bag. I closed my eyes. Abby, you've got to see this. 
She called again. I sighed, unzipping my sleeping bag. I started to climb out of the tent when I saw someone by the fire. But it looked like Jackie. She was looking right at me, eyes wide, with a finger over her lips. Her hand was shaking, yet it was warm outside. Abby, come on, check this out. The voice came again. It was distinctively Jackie's voice coming from the woods away from the campsite, about 50 or 60 yards out, at least. What? What the? I muttered. My eyes went wide, matching Jackie's. The Jackie by the fire shushed me. Slowly, she approached the tent and crawled back in next to me. I watched her zip up the flap as slowly as possible. She seemed desperate not to make any noise with the zipper. My mouth went completely dry, my chest pounding. What in the world is going on? I whispered. I went to use the bathroom at the tree line. I started to hear something moving around out there. When I came back to the campsite, I heard it too. I just sat there, wondering how in the heck it was possible to hear my own voice in the middle of the woods. Suddenly, noises erupted from the same direction that the voice had been coming from. The sounds of stomping footsteps slowly approached. Whoever it was, they were not trying to hide their presence. Within about 40 seconds, those steps closed the distance and breached the trees entering the campsite. They sounded heavy, much heavier than me or Jackie. Jackie, where are you? I gasped. That was my voice, coming from outside the tent near the campfire. Those heavy, slow steps then turned into rapid, skittering sounds, like someone who was quite flexible and gifted at crawling on all fours had begun to circle us. Jacqueline... Why did you leave me out here? Let's go for a walk. My voice tempted my friend to come outside. However, she stayed put right next to me, the real me. The two of us trembled, watching the tent flap. We stared at the zipper like our lives depended on it. We waited for it to move, waited for that thing outside to come up to our tent and begin to open it. It got closer suddenly passing between the remnants of the fire and the tent, casting a faint, bizarre shadow over the wall. I saw hair covering the thing, and what appeared to be short, pointed horns. I hoped this was a nightmare, because none of it made sense. I looked again at Jackie. She was looking back at me, shaking her head, signaling to stay completely quiet but something told me it knew we were here. And if that was the case, why didn't it bust down the tent? Why didn't it just tear through the thin walls? It seemed more intent on toying with us. Maybe it wanted us scared. Then we heard it from behind us. I know you're in there. I couldn't hold it back anymore. My fear took control of me. Without another thought, I burst through the front of the tent ripping the zipper right off. Just before I ran into the tree line, I called out Jackie's name. 
I heard her reply, Abby, behind me. She had begun running too. Together we sprinted through the woods, with no destination in mind, a third pair of footsteps chasing after us. I could hear something inhuman breathing. Whatever that thing was, it sounded like it was gaining on us. I pushed myself harder. I ran and ran. I didn't stop for another 20 minutes or so. And when I did, I burst through another tree line. I came out on a paved road. I screamed for help, hoping a car would pass by and someone could come pick us up. I turned around, facing the forest I just escaped from. Jacqueline wasn't there. I'd heard her. I'd heard her footsteps. I'd heard her voice. I thought I knew it was her. Even if that thing could mimic voices, it didn't mimic the sound of footsteps too, did it? Abby! The sound of Jacqueline's voice calling my name came again. It sounded exactly the same as before. This time, it came from across the road, the part of the woods that Jackie and I hadn't been in. When did she get there? Then I heard something else. <laughs> from the exact same direction came a hideous laugh. I'd been completely tricked. It scared me out of the tent, made me think my friend had followed me, but all I had done was abandon her. And now I'd found myself outside, in the dark, alone, with that thing. As if my prayers had somehow been answered, headlights from a pickup truck emerged from around the bend. They began to drive towards me, slowing down as I waved my arms and called out. They stopped, and a man's arm gestured me to get in from inside the cab. I did so without hesitation. As soon as I got in, the man, having no idea what I'd just been through, asked me, You okay, ma'am? You hurt? Do you need a hospital? I was so terrified still that I wanted to scream, but I looked at him and calmed down, realizing how crazy I'd sound if I told him everything. Instead, there was something more important I had to do. Can you take me back to the campsites? I asked. I got myself real lost in there. I'm sorry. He half smiled and nodded his head. Sure thing, don't worry. He reached his arm behind the seat, pulling a warm, unopened bottle of water from a container of other waters. I happily accepted it. A seven or eight minute drive later, we arrived at the campgrounds. I saw my tent. I told the man thank you, and I begged him to stay put while I grabbed my friend. He looked confused, and I could tell he knew I wasn't giving him the whole story. But he breathed a, sure, before I hopped out and ran over to the tent. Jacqueline was inside, staring straight ahead, even as I peered my head in. She didn't look at me. Her whole body was shaking. I practically had to drag her out of there. Together, we walked over to the truck. Uh, could you drive us to the parking lot? I requested of the man, and he did as I asked. When we made it back in my car... Jackie's expression of trauma turned into one of sheer anger. She didn't talk to me all the way home, and when I dropped her off, she didn't answer my calls later that night. She didn't reply to my texts either. On the next workday, she did come into work and seemed normal, except when I tried to talk to her, but Jackie ignored me. 
Now I'm not naive. I know the exact reason I lost my best friend. When you're facing terror alongside someone else that you trusted, and they run off abandoning you, that's something that you don't forget. Something that you're likely not to forgive. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check out betterhelp.com dpp. Life is tough on all of us. It can already be so difficult to avoid or power through those things that stress you out or drain you. Personally, I find myself unable to enjoy the things I used to like, and I struggle to stay motivated. Luckily, finding help doesn't have to be hard, because there is BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours, unload the stressors, and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain from it. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Darkness Prevails listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com dpp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash D-P-P. Thank you, BetterHelp. Followed from Terrible Fate 89. I used to camp in the Ozarks. Camping was a hobby of mine, but... It isn't so much anymore. This experience kind of ruined it for me. Have you ever been so traumatized or scared of something, you avoid anything that reminds you of it? That's how I feel about this. To this day, I don't know what it was. A few years ago, I was camping alone in the Ozarks of Missouri, pretty close to the border of Arkansas. The weather was dreary. It had been pouring rain for hours and the forecast, according to my phone, said that the rain would keep coming for the next couple of days. I was alone as I usually was, something I regret now. The thing was, I didn't really have many friends that enjoyed camping like I did, so I was usually always alone. But now I regret not asking someone, anyone, if they wanted to go camping. It started the first evening, when I was still walking but considering pitching my tent somewhere. Rain trickled down around me on the trees and on the ground. Tiny little streams of water began to form on the dirt and rocks. I was hoping I wasn't going to get flooded away, but I was on top of a hill, so it should flow down and I should have nothing to worry about, I told myself. In the midst of the raindrops, I began to hear something else. They were light, uneven footsteps, like the steps of a small but curious person. Someone who was cautious. Perhaps they didn't want to be heard, or they wanted to keep their distance. At first, I assumed this was some sort of animal keeping an eye on me. Maybe a brave deer keeping watch, or even a mountain lion trailing me to make sure I move out of its territory. If it was a mountain lion, but they were stalking me, considering me as prey, I wasn't too worried, as I had ample protection. I didn't want to shoot it, and the gunshot at least should scare it away if it came down to that, I thought. I never stopped walking, 
I continued going, pretending that I didn't hear the noise but keeping a close ear on it. Whatever it was, it seemed to be keeping the same distance between us. I never heard any breathing or growling or anything like that. I was hoping that I would lose it before pitching my tent. I didn't like the idea of this stalker knowing where I was sleeping for the night. Then something happened. From the same direction of those footsteps came a terrible high-pitched scream, one that sounded like it was approaching me rapidly. All at once I turned around, my skin covered in goosebumps and my heart racing. Just as I turned around, the screaming stopped. There was nothing out of place. Just ever-darkening woods, rain dripping from tree branches, and leaves and rocks on a faint forest path. I continued looking around, calming my breathing, and somehow I convinced myself that it was some sort of crazy bird that had swooped past me, making a weird noise. As I continued walking... I noticed the footsteps had disappeared, and for a while, I was thankful for that. About an hour later, I'd found a camping spot under an especially large walnut tree that seemed to have most of its leaves intact. I took advantage of this added layer of shelter and set up my tent under it. I was unable to make a fire and keep it going with how wet the ground had become, so instead, I cast a tarp under the lowest hanging branch I could find on the tree, which was luckily close to my tent. I propped it up on another branch. Beneath it on the ground, I turned on my stove, which was portable, and used a small container of butane. I got some water boiling, then prepared some hot cocoa, sipping on it to help me keep warm. It was a blessing that night that the year had been particularly warm, as previous falls had been unforgiving. After my cup of hot cocoa and reading true crime forums on my phone, I fell asleep under a blanket in my tent. Before long, I woke up. Of course, it was still raining outside, but I had to pee. I stepped out of the tent with my boots on and with my coat on. I positioned myself under the tarp I'd set up before for the stove, and I did my business. When I was done, I zipped up and I turned back to the tent. When I paused, I saw something further up the path, maybe 20 yards past my tent. It was small, pale gray, and it looked like a person. Why would someone be out here in the middle of the rain without any clothes, I wondered. I kept staring at this pale figure, trying to figure out what it was. I couldn't see a face, and it was still faint from that distance thanks to the rain and trees. I must have sat there staring at it, waiting for it to move to signal that it was in fact a person, or at least alive. But the entire time I stood there, watching, it never moved. After a while, I finally convinced myself that I was just seeing something else in the woods. Perhaps a strange rock, or a tree that was shaped like a person, if you looked at it at just the right angle. I shook my head and yawned. I stepped forward, leaning down to crawl back into my tent. I took one last glance at the figure before crawling in, and I'm not sure if I'm glad I did that or regretful, because when I did, the figure moved. Those chills and goosebumps came back with a vengeance. I was not, in fact, alone out here. 
and what I saw, I couldn't see any fur on it, and I couldn't for the life of me think of an animal out here that was that big and furless. Well, except for a person. But that's exactly what I was afraid of. Why was there a nude person all the way out here in the middle of the rain? And why had they been watching me? I stood straight back up, and I called out to them. Hello? No answer. Freaked out, like anyone else would be in this situation, I readjusted my tent so that the opening faced that direction. I wanted to be able to keep an eye on it, and I wanted to be able to stay in my tent throughout the night. After readjusting it, I was also able to reach my stove from the entrance. So I stayed up, making three different pots of coffee throughout the night, downing them, one after the other, to help me stay awake. I didn't see any further movement that night. Come morning, I was exhausted. Coffee only gets you so far to keep you awake. Once the sun was fully in the sky, I dozed off for an hour or two. There's no way I could keep hiking if I didn't get a little bit more sleep. After I woke up, I packed my things back up and continued walking. I was still a little bit creeped out, not entirely convinced that what I saw was something natural. And I knew it wasn't a dream. I wasn't going to sit there and tell myself it was a nightmare. I could tell dreams and nightmares from reality. I kept on walking, faster than the day before. I swear I covered twice the distance I was supposed to. And come nightfall, I hadn't seen or heard anything weird or strange. But I wasn't about to let myself forget what I saw. I made more coffee and stayed up looking at my phone, turning off my blue light filter. Blue light keeps you awake, so I've heard. So I always turned on the blue light filter, or I would download an app for it on any phone I had. This occasion was different. I didn't want to sleep. So bring on the blue light. I stayed up reading forums, and maybe I shouldn't have been googling this, but I was looking up strange stories in the woods. Not for fun, but I wanted to see if other people had seen weird things in the forest. Every minute or so, I would look up, scanning my surroundings. Unfortunately, that night was far darker than the night before. It was hard to see much of anything outside the tent. However, the rain that night brought with it lightning, and about every 20 seconds or so, the woods would be entirely lit up by lightning strikes, some distant, some too close for comfort. But honestly, I wasn't very worried about the lightning. I just wanted to be sure that that thing or person didn't come back. Don't get me wrong, I had a gun. That made me feel a bit more secure about this situation. But I would have to be awake to use it. And at that point in time, I was beginning to doze off. Eventually, full-fledged sleep took hold. When I woke up, the rain had stopped, at least for a moment. I must have laid down too, as I woke up on my back. When I opened my eyes, I didn't hear rain but I did hear something else. There was a shuffling sound outside the tent, and I swear there were muffled whispers. The hair on my arms stood straight up. There was someone outside my tent. I looked next to me from my backpack, which I'd camped in my tent, but it was gone, 
and the zipper door was open. That was my fault. I'd fallen asleep with it open to keep an eye out on things. Whoever it was had crawled into my open tent door and dragged my backpack outside. I was immediately grateful that that's all they did. I stayed completely still, listening to whoever it was just shuffling through my things. The whispers sounded like they were wanting food, but the most I kept in my bag on these trips were cliff bars. I didn't know what to do in this situation. I didn't want some crazy stranger in my campsite. I didn't want someone digging through my things. Call me stupid. Call me crazy, too. But for some reason, the idea I had was to remind them that someone was inside this tent. So, pretending to still be asleep, I audibly acted like I was changing positions. I cleared my throat and audibly turned onto my left shoulder. The moment I stopped moving, my guest went quiet. For the longest time, it stayed quiet, just like that. I didn't hear footsteps moving around at all. I didn't hear anyone travel away from my tent. And the rain didn't come back just yet. It was eerily, disturbingly quiet. I stayed like that for about 30 minutes straight. Too scared to move. Too scared to look. Because if I hadn't heard it move, it had to still be out there, right? As quietly and slowly as I could, I lifted myself up so that I could face the tent wall again, foolishly thinking that I could see something through the tent wall, but I couldn't. Then I turned toward the open tent flap. I screamed. There, just at the tent door, was a pale face with throbbing blue veins underneath, eyes completely bloodshot with no pupils, not a trace of hair anywhere, and an open mouth, sharp teeth just barely visible behind the lipless opening. When I screamed, the face pulled away back where I couldn't see it, and I heard rapid footsteps leaving my campsite. I sat there for a few seconds, wondering, had that thing been staring at me the entire half hour I lay there pretending to sleep? I didn't even know what it was. It had the face of a person, but everything else was all wrong. A person's skin shouldn't be that color unless they were dead. And last I checked, people have pupils in their eyes. I packed up all my things as fast as I could, and I trekked through the night through the woods. I heard footsteps the entire time, cautious and distant, just like the first time. I knew it was the same thing, the thing I'd saw. Those footsteps belonged to the thing with that face. I was sure of it. Imagining seeing that thing up close horrified me enough to put a scared spring in my step. Now, I didn't make it back to my truck the same night. It would take another day. But I did stumble upon some other campers who had four-wheelers. They offered to let me stay the night with them. I must have looked disheveled and worn out by then. And I know they were strangers, but they were friendly, and they had normal-looking faces unlike that thing I saw. So I took them up on the offer. I even told them my terrifying weird story over dinner. And they believed me. It was two guys, both brothers, and one of their wives, out on a little camping hunting trip. They told me they'd been hearing and seeing strange things in the woods themselves, 
and apparently for them, it hadn't been the first time. They'd seen pale, nude figures in the woods that looked almost human before. They told me that when they told their friends, who don't go hunting and camping like they do, the friends would laugh, disbelieve them, and assume they were just trying to scare them. It was extremely relieving, having someone to talk to and to believe me, having people to spend my final night in the woods with. Plus, nothing else scary happened. In the morning, one of the dudes gave me a ride to my truck. He gave me his phone number to keep in touch, which we did, but unfortunately, I denied his requests to go camping in the future. Because after this, I was done camping, and I'm still done camping for a long time. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wendigo Encounter From Anonymous I was born and raised in Wisconsin. We live in a small town where everyone knows everyone. I am the only child in my family until I turned 12, when my parents decided to adopt a child. They told me that I'm going to have a little brother to play with. I was happy, of course, to finally have a little brother, and I couldn't wait to see him. Then the time came, November 28th that year. When my parents came home from the adoption home with my little brother, I was so happy. Seeing him coming out of the car smiling at me, I smiled back and I ran to him, hugging him and saying, Welcome home. His name was Ethan. He was seven years old and he was from Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's a sweet kid, quiet at first, but he's very helpful with me and my parents around the house, helping with the cooking, cleaning, etc. His parents passed away during a traffic accident with him inside the car, but he survived. What happened to him was very sad. Now, my dad loved hunting. Dad always tells us everything about hunting. Know your surroundings, know what you're packing. Keep track of where you are, and especially pull up the ladder when we go to our treehouse in the woods. And most importantly, remember that there will be other people out there hunting as well. Our dad is a gentle person. He always helps us with everything like school, homework, and all that. He plays games with us, and does everything with us, including hunting, fishing, and hiking. Eight years later, our dad passed away. He was killed in an altercation with a robbery in progress. He was shot. We were all devastated about what happened to dad. He'll always be with us in our heart, and will always be our hero. One day I took my little brother Ethan to go hunting with me. We went to the forest that dad always takes us to, we have a little treehouse in the woods out there, where we sat, hunting for deer, squirrels, and other animals. 
but at the time it was deer season. When we got there, we climbed the ladder up to our treehouse. We always remembered what Dad told us about pulling up the ladder when we get to the top of the treehouse, just in case some stranger or creep tries to climb up to us. So Ethan and I just sat there and waited. We talked, snacked, laughed and played board games, waiting to see if any deer came by. We had seen a lot of hunters walking by and we greeted each other with a hello or good morning. We waited and waited and saw no deer cross our path whatsoever. Ethan wanted to go use the restroom, but I told him to just go over the side. He said he needed to go number two, so I told him, Fine, you can go, but I'm staying here, just in case a deer comes by. Remember what Dad told us, about taking the radio just in case you get lost? Ethan dropped the ladder and climbed down, and went back to the ranger's outpost cabin that was about two miles back, and the trail was easy to remember, so Ethan should be just fine. I was looking around, still keeping an eye out for deer. By 6pm, close to 7, Ethan hadn't come back yet, and it was getting dark. It had been at least an hour or so since he'd left. He had a radio, but I heard no contact from him. I was worried, and I didn't want to just leave him out there. So I radioed him, but there was no answer making me worry even more. All of a sudden in the dark forest, I heard noises, cracking in the woods. Luckily, I have a night vision scope on my rifle. I took a good glance around my surroundings but saw nothing. I was confused, but I kept on looking just in case it was deer. After all, I was so eager to get one. Moments later, I heard my little brother Ethan calling out my name. Lincoln! Come back! I was confused a bit, hearing my little brother scream my name while walking through the woods with no light. How could he see through the trails of the forest like that? Lincoln! Come back! Ethan kept saying the same thing over and over again. I thought to myself, that is not my little brother. He isn't so stupid he would be walking out in the forest without light. So, who was calling my name? Lincoln, come back. The voice came closer and closer, and soon, it seemed the voice was right under the tree, where our treehouse was. Then I remembered that I hadn't pulled up the ladder when Ethan left to go use the restroom. Quickly, I pulled up the ladder as fast as I could. Lincoln... Come down. I knew that was not my brother. I fired some of my buckshots in the air to scare whatever that was down there under the treehouse. It screamed, as if startled. A weird cracking sound came from it, a sound I'd never heard in my entire life until then. Then, whatever it was, ran back into the forest. I was left there, scared, shaking, and sweating. I waited until sunrise, hoping Ethan was okay. When the sun finally came up, I slowly climbed down my treehouse ladder, and I ran as fast as I could to the ranger station, telling them what I'd experienced last night. They didn't believe me, of course, thought that I'd had a bad dream. But I found my little brother Ethan, and I told him what happened. Apparently he had been there all night with the rangers, 
because they wouldn't let him go outside at night, afraid that he would get hurt. I don't know who or what that was, out there in the woods talking to me, trying and succeeding to sound like Ethan, but I'm happy that nothing happened to me during the encounter. If I didn't shoot that warning shot, if I didn't remember to pull up the ladder, I don't know what would have happened. Years passed, my brother and I never went hunting at that place again. Having read stories similar to mine, I believe it may have been a wendigo or something, imitating my little brother's voice to lure me into the woods. Wendigo from Wild Taco First off, I'd like to say I've never believed in Wendigo or Skinwalkers before this. After what happened that day, my mind may have been changed, and I will forever choose somewhere else to go camping. I'm a big off-roader camper. I love finding new trails that are challenging or nearly impossible to get up in a stock 4x4. This story starts in late June of 2020, in Canada-British Columbia Radium. My dad and I had been planning on doing an off-road day trip in my mod 2013 Tacoma, just outside of Radium. We ended up finding a gravel road, which went steeply up the side of a mountain, and took you in this other valley with glaciers all around. Let me tell you, up there, it was an amazing view. After finding the place, my dad wouldn't stop saying that after all the years he lived in Radium, he had never been on this trail. We kept following the trail as it got narrow, to the point you could only just fit one truck on the trail. Soon we came across a nice little cabin, complete with a small barn and outhouse. The place was falling apart, and we found a lot of stuff like boots and empty food cans, etc. We explored the area for a bit, then kept driving. The trail began to come out of the trees, and we started to follow a cliff with a big drop on one side, as well as a small creek, steadily growing from melting snow. We stopped by some deeper snow. My dad and I got out and began to hike. We wanted to see what the trail was like up ahead. I was thinking it was a better idea to come back later when the snow was melted, but I kept hiking with my dad about a kilometer in. My dad then stopped for a moment, but I went on ahead, I found this area that seemed protected from the wind, and I went back telling my dad that it would be a nice camping spot. He laughed, then said to me, You think you could get your truck up these big and loose rocks? I answered, confidently, Oh, I could definitely get it up here. He laughed again and said, Okay then. Now let me mention here, I hadn't yet felt anything strange, and we didn't see anything weird. Fast forward to late August of 2020. My girlfriend, her dog, and I went on a camping trip. We started our first day right on top of a glacier. That night, the temperature dropped to negative one, and that was measured in our tent, which my girlfriend was not happy about. Thankfully, the following day was nice, hot, and sunny. So we headed out to the next locale, which was the place that I went to with my dad, I was hoping that, this time, the snow would be melted off the trail. We got to the spot with the cabin, so I showed her around. 
She enjoyed looking around. We got back in the truck and kept going up the trail. We got to the part where there was a ton of loose rocks. I got out and moved some rocks around. Then we kept going. We had to stop a few times to let my truck cool down, as I was having problems with my radiator. As we got higher in elevation, my girlfriend suddenly said something weird. She said that this is where Wendigo might be. She believed in stuff like that, and she usually doesn't like talking about it. But for some reason, she brought it up here, and the more she kept going with it, the more I got upset. Maybe it was even making me paranoid. We were trying to enjoy ourselves out here, not stress ourselves out or get scared. Eventually, we got to the spot where I was going to set up camp. We got out, and I told her that I was going to fly my drone to see what the area looked like. I was flying it around when I spotted an old mine. I flew my drone back and switched out the battery. I told her I was going to take a walk. She went back to the truck to wait for me, but as she opened the door, her dog got out and decided to join me on my walk. Her dog had a fondness for me and enjoyed being my walking buddy sometimes. As we walked, I continued to fly my drone and look around with it. I was starting to get this weird feeling, a sensation that something was wrong, that I should not be out here. I looked at my phone and it was 9pm. The sun was starting to go down. I quickly went back to the truck and I asked my girlfriend if she had a weird feeling too. She said yes. We agreed it was time to leave. We were back in the truck and four low, basically crawling down the mountain. My girlfriend kept looking behind us while I was focused on the road, trying to get us down as fast as I could safely. That feeling of dread continued to grow within me. I felt as if there was something up here, something wrong. By then, it was completely dark, and I was taking the truck down this one-way road, kicking through gears and doing 70. When we were well away from that area, I looked over at my girlfriend, but she seemed traumatized. She had this disturbed look about her, eyes wide and unblinking. Scared from just looking at her like that, I asked her what she'd seen. Apparently, she was looking behind the vehicle because she saw something following us. She looked at me, voice trembling, describing that she had seen a very tall, skinny, dark figure with long arms that, whatever it was, stood about eight feet tall. A month after this, my dad was talking to some of the people that live in Radium. He was told that we should never go back there again, that folks had been working on closing that trail down. In fact, the name of that area by the mountain is called Wendigo Valley. It's said that the people who lived in that cabin nearby got chased out of there back in 1940 by something that looked similar to what my girlfriend saw. Supposedly, there have been other people going up there who got chased out. One person even got a dent in the hood of their truck from that strange creature. Well, we took that warning to heart, and we will not be going back. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. 
If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there and stay creepy. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save